I want to talk to you about something that I'm sure you're going to tell me all about, and that is your upcoming wedding dress. I do think it's going to be magical, and I can't wait to 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 see the final result. But of course, we had to we had to postpone all the all the fittings of the of the dresses. So, what can I tell you? Um, uh, Everything. <laughs> Welcome everybody. I am Susie Menkes, editor of Vogue International at Condé Nast, and you are listening to my podcast, Creative Conversations. As a journalist reporting on the global fashion industry, I want to take you backstage and give you an insight into my world. Listen to my exclusive conversations with creatives, industry leaders, and those whose voices have some of the greatest impact. I think you might find it interesting and maybe intriguing. Natalia Vodianova's story is part fairy tale, but with a mighty dollop of grit. As a child in Russia, she helped her mother lug fruit to market, looked after her sister, who has special needs, and hobbled through a childhood when her family could not afford to buy new shoes for her growing feet. Then, as in the best of fairy tales, she became a model, married a British aristocrat, and was all set to live happily ever after. But then came the terrible massacre in a Russian school in Bezlam, and her realization that her life, glamorous but empty, needed an opportunity to give back. So the Naked Heart Foundation was born, bringing play parks to children across Russia, giving hope and support for despairing families. Photographed by the world's greatest talents and still recognized as a perennial supermodel, Natalia's fabulous fund fairs continue to support children in need, while other energetic projects include the LB app, receiving micro donations and Flow, an app designed to break the stigma of periods in communities in rural Africa and India. Natalia is a rare supermodel who's bringing up five children, the latest two boys with her fiancé, Antoine Arnaud, who she met on the set of a 2008 Louis Vuitton campaign. They plan to marry this summer, coronavirus willing. She is looking after the kids' role in the party while Antoine is arranging the grown-up bits. And the wedding dress? Natalia confided in me that it is inspired by elegant actress Grace Kelly and, in her own words, a little more rock and roll. Listen to the podcast to learn who will be the best dressed at the wedding, her cat Galileo in smoking jacket and top hat. I am proud and pleased to bring Natalia Vodianova into this edition of Creative Conversations. how it is in Paris but really we in London we're still waiting to be freed well I, I don't I don't see much Paris we've just been staying at home most of the time people are people are being quite um, quite reasonable I feel because you don't have many cars uh, on the roads which is I think it's good it's a good sign that people are taking it slowly and uh, staying home when they can I, I think that everybody is responsible for their own safety and uh, the sensible thing to do is still to stay at home. But 
Confinement is, uh, it has its pluses. Exactly. For children as well. It's, they're spending a lot of time all together, the little ones with big ones. Only when it happened, we realized that it's actually incredible luxury because normally everybody is at school and then everybody has extracurricular activities. And now that they are all home, yes, they have some schooling and... Uh... Oh my goodness, Victor. That's incredible. He's <laughs> sat down on the piano by himself. That's very impressive. <laughs> uh, Natalia, you know, I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit seriously today because you undertake so many different and worthwhile projects. You leave me breathless. Ironically, the one thing that made you world famous, your modelling career, is now on hold with the pandemic. What are your thoughts now at this moment about fashion? Are we seeing the end of the runway shows and the start of a different world, do you think? I imagine that somehow it will change, somehow. Uh, in fact, I believe that over the last uh, few seasons, um, between men's shows, haute couture and, uh, and, and pret-a-porter uh, and mid-seasons, it's just all gone too much. I feel like people just were constantly on the plane for another fashion show. And uh, editors, uh, everyone kept away from their families, their offices. It somehow became actually tiring, inefficient, and uh, just uh, uh, some kind of whirlwind of creating content that just seemed overwhelming. And I, I really felt that tension that everybody, by the end of uh, the season, uh, just were, people were exhausted, they just uh, were drained, no energy. And that, of course, always affects creativity as well. So I, I feel that now that uh, a lot of brands and a lot of houses uh, uh, re-looking what has happened and how they can effectively um, adapt to the new reality. Uh, I feel that it's a good thing, potentially, for fashion. But don't you think that also other fashion people may be mourning the loss of the shows and events that we know and loved and have been going on for such a long time? But you have so many other ongoing projects, a really amazing number. Um, when it comes to giving back, you are on the front line. Tell me about some of your recent involvement in charitable causes. Sure. With Naked Heart Foundation, uh, we've also been uh, innovating, realising that we might not be able to hold a, a fundraising event, classic fundraising event, a dinner for a very long time because of uh, people just won't be able to gather uh, in such big numbers uh, in, a, in, a, in a close by future, at least until we get vaccine. And that's you know, we, there are some hopes, but we still have to be very vigilant around fundraising because uh, we do have to raise um, at least very, very minimum with all the cost cuts, uh, three million a year. And that's a quite a big number. So we... Three million dollars? Euros, yes. Not rubles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so we, we have held... Um, uh, a very, very fun and um, and successful uh, online Zoom, uh, uh, Zoom dinner in uh, in beginning of May. 
And that was, uh, that was really, really interesting. It was in Moscow. So we sent, um, we sent everyone uh, food, all of our guests. We sent them food in baskets with uh, lovely uh, um, uh, champagne uh, provided by Morton Chandon. And, uh, and everybody sat, it was pyjama party, so everybody could bring their kids and dogs and be in bed and, and celebrate with us. So we, we had the entertainment, but also people were separated in different tables. So in Zoom, you can have a joint room, but then you can have all these little uh, rooms of six to eight people or 10 people if you want. So it really feels like a table. So people, people had also these intimate discussions that we all enjoy during sit-down dinner. Uh, so this was our kind of um, a reinterpretation of a, a new sit-down dinner, but, um, but on, uh, 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 provided to us by technology. And we raised um, 125000 which is uh, really, really great, considering the budget was very, very little. Um, because we didn't have to have a venue, we didn't have to have a decor, we had lots of entertainment, a lot of um, uh, Russian very famous uh, artists and rock stars supported us and it was uh, a really fun um, evening. Natalia, do you know what I, I say about you? I think you're the person in our industry and in the world who has decided that doing good is the new cool. Your events are always fun, and I'm sure this one was fun, even if it was digital. But you make this very, very important things you do feel fun, feel fresh. Is that part of the deal as far as you're concerned? Yes, I think that it's really, at least for me, it's really important. I, when, I ask, uh, for, um, when I ask for funds, uh, for donations, um, uh, I, I do believe that it's much easier when you uh, when it's collaboration. So when people get something in return and it can be uh, either amazing auction lot that they just can't resist from buying, you know, um, or great experience and they know it's going to be super fun. And it's sort of this win-win situation. I think it's always um, uh, better. Yes, no, I, I even in my investments, you know, I've been um, investing a little and now we uh, with Timon uh, and Supernova, we, we have invested in 14 different companies. And even even if we are for profit investment, uh, um, we're not yet a fund, but uh, let's say a, a small group. We always look to companies that will make a difference. And actually, COVID interestingly highlighted some of the companies, uh, whether it's in Tryon technology. Tryon technology is really interesting mm -hmm. because, um, you know, you would say um, that kind of this low-touching retail is, uh, is the new thing, but it's actually been trending for quite a while, also because there's this sustainability angle to it. If a, a lot of purchases now happening online and even before COVID that trend started um, and, and people, of course, have no ability to try things on. So they buy them, but then they send them, uh, they, they return them. And those returns, it's where um, a lot of carbon um, uh, um, emissions created. 
the, the try on technologies are really, really good at solving that. So uh, uh, in it, if, if a company is using uh, try on technology, then um, the return rates drop by 30%, which is quite significant. Uh, yeah, number. it's impressive. And another one that was uh, that we invested before COVID, and it's it's mental health has been um, quite a major trend in the in the last uh, few years. But COVID, of course, again, really um, it's magnified, magnified it, it. Yes, obvious. exactly. Yes. So there is a company called Luna. Um, it's an incredible. Um, it's a it's a guided meditation. I, I really sure that you would love it too. Um, so you 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 paint picture by just simply tapping on um, on uh, on your screen, and it creates these beautiful beautiful pictures. And there is a music and a voice that talks to you and tells you what to do. You don't really have to think, but. It's such a holistic experience. It's 20 minutes long and then it just calms you down. You know how sometimes uh, uh, we are overwhelmed, especially today, by Zooms, by information, by news that are negative. We are sometimes s stuck in, uh, in small spaces with, uh, well, in my case, uh, even even my five kids, you know, I love them very much, but sometimes it feels the pressure from the noise and screaming and demands that everybody has on uh, on on me. <laughs> it's 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 it is overwhelming, and it's uh, sometimes you know you just have to release the pressure. And um, something like this, products like this, will um, will see major demand. And and uh, during um, COVID, uh, Luna has been uh, providing ability to download completely for free, which is mm -hmm. um, uh, important that as many people as possible have access to this uh, kind of pos uh, positive technology. Natalia, can I take you back to a story that you have so often talked about, back to the beginning, your beginning? From your childhood, you seem to have been committed to helping the less fortunate. You were six years old in Nizhny Novgorod in Russia, already starting to help your grandmother sell fruit and veg on the sidewalk. Your baby sister, she was suffering from cerebral palsy. Do you remember the first time when you felt it in your heart that you wanted to help other people? Really, um, I think it's all started from my success as a model. It's, it, felt, um, it felt like a burden. It's a really strange thing to say, <laughs> maybe. Uh, maybe it doesn't make sense, but to me it felt like a great burden. I didn't, uh, I, I didn't really understand what to do with it because it was so overwhelming and uh, and and really um, empty it felt empty uh, and especially in the contrast between my my past and uh, the the sudden success and and uh, you know uh, 
let's say it's <laughs> as it is uh, amount of money that I was getting, it's just just felt not right. And it felt like, why do I, ha why did I have to go through this really great suffering, uh, you know, from not like shoes that are too small that, you know, are the only shoes I have and I have to walk in them for six months to, because my mom can't afford it to me and literally living in pain, you know, and, uh, or, uh, or the selling of the fruits that was very, very kind of hard labor um, to, you know, sometimes have having nothing to eat and then arrive to a place where I just, yes, I have, family, money, I am 22 years old, but I, I absolutely, I have zero fulfillment, still uncertain about my future, still don't know what to do with my life, and just, and still don't have that sense of achievement and sense of uh, purpose in my life. So it was really, I, I was, I felt very, very frustrated and but I, I, I think that that frustration gave, in a way, um, prepared the grounds for, uh, for, the, for the purpose to come. And, and so I remember uh, when I was in Moscow and uh, the, the Beslan tragedy happened and the terrorists hijacked the school, I, I, it, it teared me apart. But that, that is what I, I needed in a way. I needed this this to discover this passion and and i i felt that that injustice um i have to i have to do something about it and it felt so strange because i was so convinced that i need to do something about it even if i didn't know what and and how and but i needed to do something for those uh, children and families that survived and i knew that i wasn't a doctor i knew that it, it for me it was very important to work out what it is that I can do that I am one thousand percent sure will make a difference to those children and 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 I remember on the plane back to New York from Moscow I came up with the idea of playground and it was so uh, I was so confident of this uh, idea because I felt. Um, at the time, you know, I drew this knowledge from my childhood, what I lacked the most. I, I had nothing, but what really lacked for me is a place to go as a child with my sister. And, and in a way, the stigma, you know, the stigma around disability and the stigma around a, a victim who survived such a horrific tragedy I felt like I could draw a similarity there, that there's still this stigma. And, and the fact that these children for the rest of their lives will be marked by this tragedy and everybody will be looking at them kind of, are they okay, is everything okay? And playground, I, I felt it's uh, the uh, one place where these children may for five minutes forget what happened to them, just playing with, you know, with each other and other kids. And that's how the idea of the playgrounds were, was born. That school siege of 2004 marked so many people. It was simply so terrible. But it is often true with you, Natalia, that out of sadness and difficulties comes something that I would describe as purposeful. Uh, whatever you've done to help children has always had a, a, a purpose to it 
And it's, it's very impressive that you can send messages out like this to the world, that you are more than just a stunningly beautiful face photographed by the entire galaxy of famous designers. You just said that you felt rather empty. You didn't feel that these things, even though they, uh, your, the pictures of you must be greatly admired and in some ways it must have been quite an entertaining or interesting thing to do, but you felt empty about the idea of succeeding in fashion but not having any more depth to it. Have I got that right? You know, on one side, I, 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 and it's, it's true uh, until now, I love the, the transformation, I love the, to being on set, I love what I do. I, I, I do think that I'm a good model and I, I, and I absolutely believe that you can only be good at something if you truly love it. Um, so don't get me wrong, I loved what I did and it was fun. But it did not feel important. I did not, and I still don't think that with, um, for myself, that's at least, you know, how I feel that, th that that's all, that that's, that that's the final goal. It may be a way to something and definitely right now it's a, uh, when I have uh, my charitable work and I and I have some other things that I do like my investments, my 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 fashion um, uh, career and uh, and life in this industry has become well balanced out. I I I have fun on set. It's things that are relaxing. It's uh, uh, and it's it's. I can be molded by other people who, for them, it's the final goal. And they are geniuses in what they do. And they really dedicate so much time and passion to this industry. And it's, it's honorable. I do truly believe that, that someone like Grace Coddington, who is an absolute visionary of creating a, this... A perfect story, um, something magical, absolutely magical, inspiring uh, photographers and inspiring designers, and 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 translating it into um, in, into a beautiful fashion image. Or Stephen Meisel or Merton Marcus, my friends, um, all these people uh, dedicating their life to fashion. I admire just because. This is who they are, and they are the best at what they do. But for me, it's, uh, it's never felt enough. It never felt like uh, it's, uh, it, it should be the final goal. And especially back when I was um, 22, and I, it, was, it, was really, um, it was really a lot of change uh, that I was experiencing, and it felt... Uh, um, felt really overwhelming. I want to talk to you about something that I'm sure you're going to tell me all about. And that is your upcoming wedding dress. 
<laughs> of course, because of the um, pandemic, your official marriage to your partner, Antoine Arnaud, is postponed. But I'm sure your dress must be ready. Um, I was wondering whether you want to tell me all about it, or perhaps you'd just prefer to tell me about the fairy tale wedding with your five children, three from your previous marriage, and two more with Antoine. Give me a clue about what's going to surprise me, even if you won't describe the dress. Um, well, I actually the dress is not at all ready. Um, we had to postpone uh, all the fittings. I, I, I do have a, a beautiful drawing on it. Uh, I mean, of it. Um, and uh, I do, I do think it's going to be magical, and I can't wait to, to, to see the final result. But of course, we had to, we had to postpone all the all the fittings of the of the dresses. So, what can I tell you? Um, uh, Everything. <laughs> um, I'm inspired um, uh, a little by. Um, by Grace Kelly's uh, wedding dress, I, I found it so 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 beautiful and um, and elegant and really majestic and uh, but but of course more a little bit more rock and roll version. <laughs> Sounds exciting. <laughs> and it's um, we, we had fun with the invitation. We, um, uh, I don't know if you if you've seen it, your your own version, but um, it's uh, Lucas Nieva, Victor, Maxim, and Roman who invite the guests to the wedding and giving a hint to the fact that, well, I really um, want this wedding to be fun for adults but especially for the kids. Everybody is invited and encouraged to bring their children to the wedding. And uh, this is the, the, the side of the wedding that I'm taking care of. So there's a little competition going on between the main wedding and the children's <laughs> wedding. <laughs> and because I'm organizing the children's part, so uh, I'm competing with Antoine. So we'll see who are going to be happy, children or adults. <laughs> and who's Can't going wait to, to see win. Natalia, one of the great things about you is you are a world-famous and very beautiful model, but as you've just explained to us, that isn't enough for you, and it certainly doesn't say what you've done with your life, which has been so enormous. And so when we talk about the Naked Heart Foundation, I think that we have to explain to people the terrible shock of that school siege of 2004, and you really understood at that moment that you needed to bring your help and your strength to try and change people's hearts and people's minds and the way people saw uh, the terrible things that happened. And it's interesting that you also are somebody who thinks about the beauty of women at the same time as you think about such terribly serious things. And you've always brought female issues right down to life. I mean, that's that whole um, policy that you're doing in rural India to help women cope with the whole business of their periods. That's a very interesting part of your energy and your ingenuity to do that. It's not something you would perhaps expect a top model to talk about, having a period. 
Yes, it's you know I I I I do get passionate about uh, subjects where there is subjects that are stigmatized. Uh, living and experiencing stigma myself almost firsthand because even if it was directed at my sister, it felt very real and very personal to me. And I believe that uh, stigma around periods and uh, and female health it's a topic that it's really really kind of been brushed under the carpet all around the world. So whether you are uh, a girl in uh, in America in sixth grade and you just uh, you know ashamed and feel uncomfortable asking for a pad because these things are not available in uh, female toilets, uh, in, uh, in schools, in uh, restaurants, in, 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 in anywhere. You know, it's, uh, it's really, um, now they're more and more seen in offices, but very often just laying around in, you know, in, the, in boxes, like uh, something not precious. And it's mm. it sort of feels like disrespect, and and but then there's another uh, scale of it in countries like India, Africa, where you may be locked away for the period of your of duration of your of your period in a separate uh, uh, hut or animal shelter, uh, and you because you are considered dirty and you are considered shameful at that period uh, of uh, your life and that you're a woman you know what it's like it's it's really quite a big part of our lives and it's something that something that we have to deal with uh, majority of time in in between ourselves and uh, and and there's really rarely that you can share this information because it's too much information so what that means for a lot of women for for some it means nothing because they can cope with it and they don't have issues around it but there're really a lot i would say um there's at least uh 10% of women around the world who suffer for example from from mastocytosis mastocytosis is incredibly painful condition that can leave you, you uh, absolutely begging for mercy from, from this condition. And in countries like India, for example, they won't even, they would consider that normal. The women in your family will tell you, ha, huh, this is periods, that's how it goes. It's painful. So no one, but no one, you know, pain can can have different degrees. No one studies what's normal pain around period, what is abnormal pain around period. And when I say 10%, that's 10% of cases that we know. That means that it's really, really affecting much uh, more women. And this is only one example of where this shame and stigma is leaving millions of women in suffering. But then you talk about personal hygiene and and the fact that in India, 70% of women who die from um, female health-related uh, conditions, they die due to poor hygiene. Why is that? Because pads, um, because of, again, stigma and shame. So pads are considered a no-no in many parts of India because you cannot, if someone sees your period blood anywhere, 
it means you won't have children. There's this, uh, su you know, su superficial, um, I mean, su su superstitions uh, around, uh, uh, around this topic, for example. And then, so what women end up doing, they use dirty cloth, uh, they use old socks, they use uh, unsafe, uh, uh, unsafe um, items, to gather their period blood, and and then when they wash it, they cannot put it to dry in the sun because that means everybody will see it. So they have to put it somewhere, dump and uh, and uh, and where no one will see it. So it creates space for bacteria. I do find it deeply touching. Is not even the right word, but I am so impressed that you care enough about this to make it so clear what you're saying, and. I don't know, Natalia, I don't really know you well enough to know, but I think that your urge to create a better world must come from something very deep and unforgettable in your past. Um, the, last week, I think it was, in that um, uh, Instagram, when you talked about your late grandfather's agonising years in the Red Army, and also your grandmother, who I know is still with us, um, but she had terrible memories of the Holocaust seeing whole families of Jews buried alive in a pit in her city. Do you think, Natalia, that you're somebody who is particularly, what should I say, not responsive, but that you really care about these things, you feel deeply, you feel part of them, just as you do feel part of these young women starting their periods and their grown-up life? Well, I, I don't know. I, I feel it's, uh, it's, it's, it's normal to, to try to um, better the world around you. I feel it's my duty and responsibility. Um, and also I feel that it gives me back so much, uh, so much purpose, so much energy. I... I don't think that it goes one way. I, I do feel that um, when you some when you say yes to to these urges to um, to change something and you don't fear it and you step up out into this unknown, somehow you find superpowers and um, and the whole universe sort of somehow lifts you up and encourages you by helping you. It's really um, incredible uh, things that we often call coincidences. But I've met through um, my path as a philanthropist and activist people that I know I would never meet otherwise. And I also work uh, through this path with every day with people that I know would never be on my team if I wasn't doing what I was doing. And I'm proud of it. It's really, it's, it gives me great benefit and advantage because it's enriching my life and, and giving it purpose and, and, and uh, driving force. Uh, I do feel that sometimes if, if, you, if you have that sense of, what am I doing something for? And you, you don't, you are confused. That means you need to change whatever you are doing. 
and uh, and expand your world, even if sometimes it feels like daunting and overwhelming. I, I do often question uh, myself uh, in in a way that who am I to do these things? Who am I to 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 raise those issues? Who am I to speak for these people? I'll tell you who you are. You're sup- your supernova. <laughs> you make a tremendous effort with everything, and it, it's it's very impressive. And I I like the way you do small things. I I like your like your LB app because it's, it encourages mini donations. I mean, when you see the your wonderful uh, money raising events. Obviously, they're filled with unbelievably glamorous people who you hope are putting thousands, if not millions, straight into your pocket. But this idea of encouraging micro donations is really very democratizes charity, and it's also something that's really your invention, isn't it? Well, yes, it's um, it's not as successful as I would like it to be. Um, just maybe because uh, in the end it. it you need more manpower to do these things and I um, but really the idea is very simple and it's still working LB's uh, LB is still doing it's not huge but um, uh, it's uh, it's doing quite well uh, and it's still alive uh, which is for tech for tech company it's a big thing it's a big deal uh, and and yes, the idea of micro donation it's very simple. It's just again came from frustration with sort of likes uh, that felt empty. And I'm I'm glad that uh, Instagram and Facebook are kind of going away from from the the, the obsession with uh, likes and numbers. Um, but it's nice if obsession with numbers exists if it goes to the to the good cause. And this is uh, this is where the love button comes in. So you uh, by you you can be on LB. You can't be as impulsive as pressing like, except you are making a one dollar donation to a worthwhile cause. And uh, if uh, enough of us do that, it it does make a difference. We still we have a lot of smaller charities on LB. Because of course, to maybe to a charity that uh, has a big budget uh, during the year, uh, LB doesn't do a huge dent. Although every I, I know uh, uh, from experience with Naked Heart Foundation, really, really every dollar matters a lot. But then uh, for smaller organizations like orphanages in Africa, in India, uh, where two hundred dollars is huge. It means, uh, uh, you know, uh, 50 backpacks uh, full of uh, all the all the things the child needs to start school. And that's that's great. That's that's what we are focusing in at LB, um, helping uh, smaller organizations and making a big difference to them. It's it's very rewarding. Natalia, it sounds as though while everyone else has been forced to stay at home, and has been very lazy and get up late and read a book here. You have been fantastically busy with all these projects. Are you organising things also for your children? Are you planning the new fund fair in its digital form? What have you been doing in these last months? Well, everybody that I know has been really, really overwhelmingly busy. I think that so many people... Um, so many people have been 
busy, whether you are busy with saving your business, uh, saving your your charity, uh, or saving your uh, you know your mental health and and mental health of your family. It's uh, it's true that um, even organizing organizing children and activities and making sure that everybody is uh, sort of okay um, is been uh, is been important. Luckily, I have enough of them that they entertain each other most of the time. But I, I have been cooking, Susie, and this is something that's been really new for me. I had to cook for the whole family for almost two months. And uh, I know it sounds maybe ridiculous to, um, to a mom that has to work and do that and, uh, and tend to children all by herself. But to me, it was a, <laughs> it was a big, big commitment and... Uh, uh, I, I am, you know, proud that I, uh, I I managed to try on lots of things that I I thought I would never ever cook, like sushi, for example, just to please my children and make sure that, you know, they don't miss too much deliveries and uh, and and restaurants. Did Antoine come into this? I have a wonderful vision of the two of you in the kitchen <laughs> making some wonderful dish for all your children. Antoine hasn't been cooking, but Lucas has been cooking. Lucas, uh, as we discovered, is a very, very, very good cook. Uh, and he, he did uh, help a few times by um, uh, cooking, taking over a few dinners, uh, which was very helpful. But Antoine has been incredibly helpful uh, just supporting me uh, mentally and allowing me to sometimes be... I mean, I say allow me, but, you know, supporting me even if I was moody or not. You know how in a relationship it's little things that matter. It's if someone can say, it's okay, I love you when you're being a dragon, that, that is really means something. <laughs> because that's really love, I, I, I feel. That's what we sign up for, right? When we get married, we say for good or for, for, for worth. Uh, and and the truth is, it's uh, it's was a very challenging time I, f- for me to uh, to to keep sort of going and uh, and uh, and staying positive uh, because it was a long long period of time to to be stressing around work and preparing various activities with LB with Naked Heart Foundation with. Uh, being on on the calls with our with our founders uh, and all that while you know knowing that every lunch and dinner I have to prepare something that uh, nine people are happy with nine people of different tastes of different diets or from you know from uh, uh, three and f- five years old to uh, Lucas and Antoine, 18, I think. yes, <laughs> who who have very high demands, you know. So it was it was quite uh, quite challenging, but uh, it was a great experience for us as a family to see that even that, even in that, we can we can keep caring and um, and kind relationship between each other.
Um, people were very surprised with the not very good reputation that fashion has in general to see how much LVMH and other um, the big companies helped immediately, whether it was a question of making um, things for the hospital staff, all sorts of things that were done so quickly. Do you think maybe that um, fashion people aren't so bad after all? Oh, I, I, I do know many very generous and uh, very thoughtful uh, fashion people. I, in fact, you know, Susie, how I always say as well that without this industry, Naked Heart Foundation would never exist. And all these families that we are helping and, and the mindsets that we are changing, it's happening thanks to, to, to the fashion industry that has been from day one incredibly generous, incredibly supportive, incredibly kind and, and empowering, empowering me to go on uh, from Miss, Mr. Valentina hosting uh, the Love Ball uh, in in his chateau and to all the designers uh, uh, making exclusive dresses or uh, donating photographers uh, donating their prints and seatings this is this is how we and the brands of course donating items this is how we make the difference this is how i've raised uh, now over 55 million pounds it's quite great, you know, imagine that's basically donated by this industry. I have one last question, Natalia, before I let you go. Forget you, forget your kids. What does your glamorous cat, Galileo, <laughs> plan to wear for your wedding? <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. We can't forget Galileo. Uh, well, Galileo... I'm sure we'll wear a nice uh, uh, top hat and a little and a little smoking <laughs> jacket, especially <laughs> for the wedding. Thank you for the idea. I'll make sure that uh, that uh, you'll get exclusive of uh, me in my wedding dress and and Galileo in in his uh, in his top hat. <laughs> I'll make you stick to that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Natalia Vodianova, I want to thank you so much for opening your heart to talking to me. I'm not surprised because the open heart is what you stand for, but it's very touching and very rewarding for me to hear you speak like that so openly. And thank you so much. Thank you, Susie. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. So nice to see you. And hopefully we'll see each other soon in, uh, in real life uh, without masks. Indeed. <laughs> wait for the day yes uh, what about fashion kisses will they stay or will they go I'll blow you a kiss now <laughs> okay my darling thank you could there be a more inspiring story than Natalia Vodianova's rags to riches tale with a deep and serious purpose. I hope you have caught the determination of this remarkable woman, as well as her sense of fun. Supermodel and philanthropist have two unlikely elements created such an important marriage of thought and feeling. Next week, I'm going to be talking to society and celebrity snapper, Richard Young. I would like to wish you all a safe and healthy week ahead.
If you would like to find out more about our conference, please do visit cniluxury.com. To find my articles, visit the fashion channel of vogue.co.uk and at Susie Menke's Vogue on Instagram. If you have enjoyed the podcast, then please do rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, and many others. Support for Creative Conversations podcast comes from the Condé Nast Luxury Conference. Creative Conversations with Susie Menkes is produced by Natasha Cowan and edited by Tim Thornton. Music by Jörg Zuber, graphics by Paul Wallace, and production assistance by Lauren Sweeting. <laughs>